Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. As we're looking at Advent, the sermons are more of a story than they would be other times of the year. And since it's a Today our theme is love. I guess I should start by saying, I love you. Actually, I was talking to my wife. But I love the rest of you, too. (laughs) A few years ago, how many of you ever watched The Muppets on TV? It was interesting last night, uh, John and I went to the, uh, to the, Ice Dogs game. And last night they had, uh, when the Ice Dogs scored their first goal, everyone was to throw a stuffed animal onto the ice, and they would be given to charity. Well, I tell you, I have never seen such a spectacle in my life, because the Ice Dogs scored within the first five minutes, and the final count came in over 4,000 stuffed animals hit the ice. It was raining Muppets. (laughs) It looked like they had invaded us from outer space. It was interesting. But a few years ago, the Muppets and CeeLo Green co-performed a Christmas song that's called All I Need Is Love. It was complete with a music video and in true Muppet form, it uh, is full of action and humor and and all the favorites were there, like Kermit and, and Fozzie and Miss Piggy and all the rest. They were there. Now, apparently, I have some connection with the Muppets because a couple of years ago, John and Holdine, Walter, Lydia, and Joan and myself went to a, uh, a dinner theater in Toronto in preparation for our own uh, dinner theater that we're having for the Boomerangs. And John and I were somehow mistaken for the two old guys that sit up in the balcony, Waldorf and Statler. I'm not saying which one's me and which one's him. But uh, anyway, back to the Muppets. CeeLo and the crew sang about all the Christmas presents that they could get. They fancy toys all the latest technology, all of the things that were there. But perhaps ironically, at the core, the song captures the true message of Christmas because the Muppets and CeeLo sang, they didn't want all that stuff. All they needed for Christmas was love. Well, everybody except Miss Piggy, she wanted the stuff. But that captures the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. And I'm not sure that they really set out to make any grand theological statement about Christmas, but the song taps into this truth, that all we do need is love. And today as we celebrate the second of our Advent journey with God with us, and we're celebrating love. And when Jesus came into the world as a baby, he became the human embodiment of the gift of God's love. And we came as Emmanuel God with us. He came as God incarnate, and he came as love incarnate. Now, 
since you weren't with us last week. And we saw that many people did tune in to watch us online. And over the week, there was over 80 families that uh, tuned in to watch the program. Let me recap that if Advent is not something you're familiar with, it's our journey towards Christmas is what it is. It's, it's marked by, the word Advent means coming or arrival. And if uh, our, our, the season is marked with expectation, it's marked with waiting, it's marked with anticipation, it's marked with longing, all of those things are combined. And it's not just an extension of Christmas, it's a season that actually links the past, the present, and the future. And that's why every year we bring it to focus, because it's so important. It gives us the opportunity to share the ancient longing that people had for the coming Messiah. It, it allows us to celebrate his birth, and then it also allows us to be alert for his second coming as well. One person says he came, he comes, and he will come. And that embodies what Christmas and Advent is all about as we journey towards that day. It looks back in celebration at the hope that's fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time, it's looking forward with hopeful and eager anticipation of the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. This morning in our family life hour, Paul had that struggle. He says, I really want to go to heaven, but it's better if I stay here with you. And so he was in that, that struggle where he says, to depart, that's really what I want, but you need me here, so that's what I'll do. But we have that heavenly point of view. Well, we've talked about a love song, but now we want to talk about a love story. And it seems that throughout our entire history, we humans have been inspired and moved and confused and intrigued and motivated by, by love. It's a very powerful motivator. And trying to understand it. And maybe that there's a, a reflection there of our origins and our creator and our deepest longings where God's love is woven through every creation and existence and, and being. Because when we were created, we were created in the image of God, and he placed his DNA within us. And since his DNA is love, there's a part of that that is part of, intrinsically part of, of us as well. Love that transcends so many things, and we see it in so many ways. Now, we're going to use our imaginations today, okay? And when we think about the story of Mary and Joseph, have we ever really thought of it in the terms that this is really a story of love, a love story? So that's what we want to look at this morning, if you would, with me for a few moments. See, imagine Joseph, he, he, he was brought up in this dusty village. He was part of the Roman Empire at that time, and he was a carpenter. He had noble ancestry because he's a distant relative to King David himself. You see that in the genealogies. But he lives in a humble life, working with his hands as a tradesman. He probably learned this trade from his father, as most of us would have learned our trades from our fathers as well, or someone that we knew that passed it on and taught us. 
Well, some scholars think that he grew up in Bethlehem, and we know that's where his roots were because that's where he had to go back to register. So we know that from Scripture. But there's a lot of things that we're not told, so there's a lot of maybes that we talk about when we craft the story. At some point, he moved to Nazareth, which is about 70 miles north, and maybe this was so he could build his own business away from his father. Maybe he had relatives there already. A number of you came to this area because you had relatives here when you left Paraguay, and you came here to find a new life. Well, he maybe did the same. Maybe the town just needed a good carpenter. I know when I lived up north, we needed a good doctor. You know, there weren't very many up there. And so maybe he had an opportunity to fill a need. Well, we don't know for sure, but we can speculate that Joseph had probably been working long enough to establish himself as as an honorable and, and fairly successful craftsman. See, that would have made him a very eligible bachelor. What do they say? A good catch. A good catch. He possibly was around 20 years of age or older. He was ready to marry and and establish his own family. Well, here, let's think about this. Now, if this guy was such a catch, you might think that the young girls in the village had their eye out on him already. Now, you, you need to remember, it wasn't necessarily the girls. It was their father. Their father would arrange the marriage. How many of you would have liked your father to arrange your marriage? I'm seeing a lot of people looking at each other. Are you kidding me? You see, the uh, the marriage customs were quite different than ours, and they had they had three uh, clearly defined legal guidelines. There was first the the contract, then the consummation, and then the celebration. These three things took place in order to get married. First, Mary's father would have gone to Joseph to propose and arrange the marriage, and probably a cash price would have been agreed on, sort of like a dowry, that Joseph would pay for the honor of marrying this young lady. Well, from that point on, Joseph and Mary, as soon as the contract was agreed, were legally married. They were betrothed to be married, so at that point they were in all sense and purposes, married, although there were still two stages to go through. So then the couple would get to know each other a little bit more, much like the dating stages or the courting stages. I like the word courting. Do you like that? It's a nice, we're courting. My my wife's maiden name was Corton, so I was courting a Corton. I asked her thousands of questions because I just wanted to know everything about her, of her life and everything. And even the day that, that I, I proposed marriage, I, I, I prefaced it by saying, can I ask you a question? <laughs> as soon as I dropped on my knees, she knew what the question was. I had a fairly good an- idea what the answer would be too. And we still do. So they'd get to know each other. Joseph would become part of their family gatherings. Mary would probably hang out around the carpenter shop a little bit. Get to see him interact with people, and they'd get to know each other a little bit more. Stage two was called the chupa, where everyone got together and met. And then came the third stage. 
They would get together and they would have the marriage feast to celebrate the final stage of the process. And we read about one of these in John's Gospel when he talks about the marriage supper in Cana of Galilee. And these traditionally lasted upwards of a week, the celebration. And that's why the steward of the feast was amazed that the best wine was held until the last, until the first. And it would be a a terrible, terrible affront if they ran out of food or wine at that type of thing. So we get a picture of what Jewish marriage was like. Years ago, a minister by the name of Dan Betzer, who used to be the radio host of the Revival Time, went to, to Israel and he saw this big party. And he saw that all the gifts and all the celebration were for the groom. The bride was off waiting for the groom to come and get her. It's very different than what we're used to. And probably sounds a little awkward to most of us, and you're probably thinking, this really isn't very romantic at all. Hmm. More like a business arrangement. But just because the culture and traditions of those ancient days look different doesn't mean that there wasn't a deep love flowing between this historic couple and possibly even deep romance. See, the Bible doesn't fill in all the details, so we need to speculate just a, just a little bit. Just a supposing with me. Well, Mary was certainly younger than Joseph, and tradition suggests that she was probably a younger teenager, and in that day it would have been a marriageable age. And the options and the opportunities of her life's path would have depended greatly on her marriage and her family. Now, she would have known who, as we said, who Joseph was, and still fairly young and rugged and strong, and certainly his, his, his physique would have been chiseled by the hard work of a carpenter in those days. But his hands would be rough, but sure. And from the little bits we're told about in the Bible, he must have been very even-keeled and confident and kind. How do we see that? We see that later in his responses. Could have gone like this. Father, do you know Joseph the carpenter? Mary might have hinted to her father. Now, you got to realize something. Many times my kids came up to me and says, Daddy. I almost said, okay, how much is this going to cost me? Okay. And they said, Daddy. Yes, my wallet's still here. Good. Good. How many have ever experienced that? You know? Yeah, a few of us. So Mary says, well, Daddy, you, you ever seen this guy, Joe? And then her mother, uh, the, the, the girls and their moms, they're always in cahoots with each other. You notice that? She could have suggested, you know, that Joseph's a good man. He's kind and honorable. He would make a good husband for our Mary. Oh, vey, you know. And for his part, Joseph would have known the girls. They, their fathers were his customers. He would have made different things for them, maybe furniture for the house, maybe wheels for, for their carts. But maybe he had a special spot where he carved out a little treasure box that he would give to Mary where she could hide things away. And we know from Scripture that Mary was one who treasured things and hid them in her heart. And over and over again, we see that she did that. She hid things in her heart.
While human hearts and emotions have been the same throughout history, no matter how formal or, or different the social mores and relational customs, and Joseph might have said, hey, have you seen Mary? See, her, her eyes sparkle like the sun on the Sea of Galilee. Now, wouldn't that just melt your heart? <laughs> oh, yes. I see some of you are remembering those days when you looked at your wife or your husband and you just saw the sparkle in their eyes. I don't have to think back very long to remember that sparkle. As late as this morning, I look at my wife. My heart overflows. And maybe Mary could have said to her sister, I saw Joseph laughing with the little children, watching outside, watching out his, outside his workshop as he, as he worked. And the sound of his voice was so musical. And so eventually this young couple was married, bound to each other for life, with their hearts stirring, their future uncertain. And like the rest of us, they could have no way of knowing what they would truly face together in the journey of husband and wife. I'd say, what are we getting into and what exactly, who exactly is this person that I will spend the rest of my life with? Well, Mary might have liked to watch Joseph work. She, she might have baked him goods and brought him things to eat at the shop. She would have welcomed him at their table as he became part of the family, as they were now legally betrothed. As each day passed, the couple learned more about each other, what made them laugh, how they handled challenges, how they handled the hard days, the strengths of their personalities, the, the imperfections where they had failed, their hopes and their dreams. They would have learned that during this period. <coughs> and as each day passed, Mary and Joseph chose love, and that love continued to go deeper and grow. So, in all of this, Imagine the emotional bombshell that went off when Joseph heard the news. How could you, Mary? How could you do this to me, to us? I thought you loved me the way that I love you. We were doing this the right way. We were honoring God and our families and each other. And now, this. If you've ever experienced betrayal or been close to someone who has, you know the devastation. And you know the pain is incredible. The wounds feel physical like your chest is literally blown wide open. The broken trust that Joseph would have felt when Mary came and told him the news. She may have said, Joseph, I know this sounds crazy. But an angel visited me and told me I'm going to have a baby. And the angel said his name will be Jesus, and he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. He's the Messiah, Joseph. You have to believe me. It's a miracle, but it's true because I'm pregnant. You can almost hear the pleading in her voice. And I think Joseph maybe tried to listen to everything he said. Hear the words, angel, miracle, Messiah. But there was one word that flooded out all the rest. You're pregnant? 
Everyone knows there's only one way for that to happen. And Joseph knew it wasn't him. This was too much. Maybe he walked away in silence, broken and speechless. Maybe he shouted and stormed and sent Mary away in tears. But we know things did not go smoothly. And I wonder, I just wonder if maybe this is why Mary went to spend three months with her Aunt Elizabeth away from her own village in the hill country of Judea. See, it would certainly buy some time for Mary's family to figure out what to do. How would people ever believe the story from Mary? Could they even believe it? Maybe it would give Joseph some time to accept it. So these two young lovers parted with pain and anger and distress swirling in and around them. And, and young Mary was clinging desperately to the encouraging words of an angel and, and a knowledge so deep in her soul that for whatever reason, no matter how incredulous it sounded and how miraculous it was, that God's Son had sprung to life within her. Somehow, God would make a way. And isn't this just the type of crisis that threatens to destroy any love story? Now, the exact circumstances may be different from what we've just described or what we'll ever face, but the feelings and the emotions are, are true and evident. See, Mary and Joseph's is a true human love story, but it's also a supernatural love story that involves you and me and every human who's ever or ever will walk on this earth. So let's dig deeper into this point and see how it affects you and me today. You see, God is love. And if we we're watching a movie and they've tried to depict some, this would be where the, the, the cameras would pan back, drifting out of that drab and dusty Galilean village, seeing a wider and wider vision above the landscape of that ancient time, the geographic forms that we recognize as continents and oceans, and then farther back as the earth becomes a great ball of blue, and still farther beyond the solar system, the Milky Way galaxy. And somehow wider still through the limits of the universe and space, light and time themselves until finally somewhere beyond the limits of physics that can bind our creation, there's only one presence, a supernatural, infinite presence that is love. There is only God. Somehow over and within all things present. The Apostle John said it most simply and best. He says, God is love. In 1 John, he wrote, So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. See, this is the nature of our God. Love in its purest form. See, love was there. 
at the center of God's creative forces that made the universe and formed people in his image to be in relationship with him. Love was there even when the world fell into sin and rebellion. And despite this, these consequences of human, human's fall, love was there in shepherding Adam and Eve and their family into this altered world. And even then, love was making a way to restore all that had been lost. Love forged a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Love continually led the Israelites through relocation and resettlement, through triumphant imprisonment and exile. And as we journey through the Old Testament, love guided and corrected. It exhorted and showed mercy to the ever disobedient and the easily distracted Israelites. See, Mary and Joseph's story, love was taking the form of humanity in the Messiah Jesus. Love is God with us. And love would be with Mary and Joseph to care for them and provide everything that they would need. Well, the test of any good love story is this. Is love enough? Is love enough? Is this love strong enough or deep enough or truly able to handle whatever might come? From the very trivial things and the annoying things to the catastrophic and potential crushing things. But based on what we read and what we've experienced, yes, love is enough. God is enough. And his love is faithful. So not only is God love, God gives love as well. Mary's journey to her cousin Elizabeth's house could, have, could not have been easy. The, the walk would have been long and hot, and the road must have been lonely, and the miles must have echoed in her brain with the recent conversations. Oh, there's been so many nights over the years when my mind would not shut down, and things would begin to circle and circle and, and gain momentum in my mind as sleep would not come. And you're no different than I am. And as Mary walked, surely these things would have echoed in her mind. She knew the truth, but how would anyone else see it? But as soon as Mary arrived, she was greeted with love. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear, Elizabeth exclaimed. But why am I so favored that the the mother of my Lord would come to see me? As soon as the sound of your, your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Why, if there was ever a need for a reassurance, it was right then. God knows what you need, and he knows when you need it. The relief. Immediately, Elizabeth, who was carrying her own miracle child, knew and confirmed to Mary that love was there, that God was there, and that everything was going to be all right. Mary was not alone anymore. Somebody understood. Somebody knew what she was going through. 
and caused Mary to, to break out in what's called the Magnificent. Says, says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Because in the midst of Mary's crisis, God provided. Whoa. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad to be part of the family of God? God provides. And provided just the, just the love she needed through another person who understood and supported her. And that's the way God works. As we walk in his love, he knows just what we need, and he brings support. Well, let's take, turn our minds back to Joseph for just a moment. He was back in Nazareth, his pain and confusion. And so he had come to the decision that he was going to divorce Mary. But he was going to do it quietly. See, that speaks to the character that we talked about earlier. He didn't want to make a public spectacle of her, but under the law, he could have brought her before the court. She could have been stoned to death for this seeming case of adultery. But he still loved her. He still cared very deeply about her. And that's when in this supernatural love story, God knew that Joseph needed some love. So he too got a visit from the angel with this message. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See how God knew exactly what was in Joseph's heart and exactly what needed to be said? The reassurance that he needed to trust Mary? And you can imagine the relief when he says, she didn't betray me. What she said was true. I didn't believe her. But now I do. See, we ultimately, he's learned to trust God and his love to make a way. So Joseph chose love and trust. Even though the law told him he could do otherwise. And it's a re really a beautiful reflection of God's own choice to love and to foster a relationship with us. And no, even though our sin means that we should die, like the Old Testament says, the soul that sins will die. And we've talked about that over the last years, that if we really got what we deserved, we deserve to die for our sins. And that's what makes the mercy of God so great. God, God chose love, and he chose us, even at the terrible price of his own son. The love of God with us, Emmanuel, is God's perfect love in human form that we celebrate. And this is the love that knows exactly what we need. No matter what we're facing in this season, whether it's the support from or the restoration to another person, or whether it's an encounter with the God of the miraculous that you need, God's love is with us, it's here for you, and it's making a way to accomplish God's work in your life. That's the miracle of Christmas. As mind-blowing as it is, God's love is not temporal, it's eternal. 
It's a never-ending, as God himself is. It's now, it was, it will be. It's all around us. And eventually, everything we know is going to come to an end. And at some point, the good, the bad, and life itself, but as Andrew Peterson sings in After After the Last Tear Falls, it says, And in the end, the end is oceans, and oceans of love, and love again. That's where we'll find that all of our tears have been caught in the hand of God. All the prayers that you pray, and we read in Revelation, he's collected them. And Psalm says that tears, they that sow in tears, will reap in joy. And Paul in Romans says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the last thing we say is that God's love then now flows through us. So Mary and Joseph's love didn't end with themselves. It was built upon the foundation of God's perfect supernatural love. They trusted God and followed him on a crazy ride. I don't think any of us on our wedding day had any idea of what was to come. We had no idea of the ups and downs we would face. And neither did they. But I like to think that because of this wonderful touch of God on their lives, we see that when Jesus himself was crucified, who was there? His mother. His mother. See through every and any situation. So Mary and Joseph were in it together. The long journey to Bethlehem, the the desperate night with Mary about to give birth and no place to rest, the birth and first cry of the Messiah, and then the joy of the others, the shepherds, these strange, exotic, wise men a couple years later, Simeon, Anna, the prophets in the temple, and they recognize this baby, the angelic visits, the warnings to, to flee to another country. See, Scripture says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. That's for you and then for me. Not just for Mary and Joseph, but for you and me. He's begun a good work. He's going to see it through to the end. See, in this Advent season, we have the opportunity to reflect on how we can do the same as this couple chose to live with open hands, trusting in the miraculous love that God had given them. Jesus said in John, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I encourage you to open yourself up to God's love. Let it grow, let it develop. Because God's love is with us, love is within us. And it's love that will make a way. And so I end... As I began, my friends, Scott Street Church, I dearly, dearly love you.
listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.